0: So, about four years ago, I was relocated to North Texas. I was looking for places to exhibit and continue my life as an artist. I landed in the Hearst-Ulis Bedford area. I started to try to strategize how I could keep my viable, my my artist career alive, and what I found was a community of other artists who just wanted a career. And so part of our strategy was being pop-up artists, which I always knew that if you found yourself in a strange land, you could set up a tent or grid walls and go out and meet the public. So we had been doing this, and there's a fatigue to doing that type of thing. It's not easy. And one day, I heard someone call me by name. And this nice lady comes up to me and talks about Central Arts, which is uh, who all this activity was being uh, driven through. That was our, our home, but we were outside of there trying to bring people into that energy. And that was a nice signifier that what we were doing was working. And that person was Cindy Shepherd, who's here with us today. At that time, she was running for city council, And that made me happy to know that somebody running for city council was an artist and had an interest in the arts. And since then, she's been our champion and spokesperson, and I'm happy to sit here and talk some art. How are you?
1: You know what, Sergio? (laughs) I think I had on this shirt.
0: Yeah.
1: And I bought the (laughs) Reservoir dog piece from you, and it's hanging in my living room. Nice. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was happy to see you. I think it was you, and uh, was it one or was it
0: probably Teal's sons? Okay. And um, who?
1: Yes, I am a champion for what you're doing because you guys are doing such a great job.
0: But aside from that, you know, we've really never talked about your art. I'm looking at your backgrounds, and I'm mesmerized. I've always liked your art. I have one of your pieces in my home. and um, how did it start for you
1: well actually the way it started uh, I kind of you know back in the 70s even I was someone that did all the macrame and you know I fell in love with all the turquoise that was um, was coming out of Santa Fe and places like that and I studied gemology And I really became more of a jewelry artist, just, you know, doing some beading and things like that. But also I've always loved old stuff. I've always had a real appreciation for things that are like deteriorating or, you know, like when I was a kid, my grandpa and I would go to the town junkyard and both of us treasured the things that we would find in the junkyard. So I actually have quite a, a, my husband says that he spends thousands of dollars on buildings to hold five dollars worth of my stuff. But you know what? That stuff I I actually kind of started doing assemblage. That that was really one of my first loves was just taking some of that old stuff and um, you know finding ways to connect it. You know, I had to learn how to do riveting. I experimented with glues. Uh, believe it or not, for a long time, I I burned my art, you know, and I just love that melty quality. And that was before the term mixed media artist was even a thing because I kept thinking, you know, I would I would go, I would join different groups. You know, we've still got some of those groups around and it was mostly, every time there was an art show, it was like, do you do watercolors? Do you do oils? Do you do colored pencils? And I'm like, well, what about this thing that has all this stuff glued to it and it's burned over here and there was no, there wasn't a category. So I just, I kept doing that. And then when I first heard that term mixed media artist, I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I am. I finally feel like I have a home. Uh, but even now I've even kind of extended to experimental artists because you know this, Sergio. I I, I mean, I just kind of skip from one thing to another. So. Uh, I've just tried a little bit of everything and, and enjoyed the ride.
0: Well, don't you think this? you're talking about skipping from one thing to the other? I mean, isn't that the creative process?
1: I think it is. And I think it is, you know, I just, I think most artists, they want to experiment and they want to look at something and go, what can I make with this? Or, you know, the way that you, like the way that you're doing all, all the baseball you know, just the way you paint that. I mean, it's it's obvious what it is, but it's completely your style. And that's your eye. And I think that that's what's so important when you're doing art, is just to learn to develop your eye by looking at something and going, what is this to me? And I, I really enjoy that process. Although, you know, sometimes I find it difficult. I feel, you know, do you ever get this way? You just kind of get, Stymied? I mean, you're so excited when you see something and you think of something and then you sit down to do it and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Does that happen to you?
0: I feel like that every time I create something. I feel like I'm a fraud. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, in photography, which is where I started right down to today, if I walk into the studio and it's a blank slate, I, I feel like I'm lying to the world. <laughs> but well, once, yeah, once I'm in it, um, that goes away. And you know, I, realize, I, think you
1: do. I I think you have to, I think you just have to force yourself to walk in there and do it. But I think that's why you and I both, and so many of the artists in our area, ha- have this real need to share creativity. You know, I know you've mentored a, a lot of different younger artists that are that are coming up, and you know, I hope that I have helped to mentor some some people too because they feel that way. And knowing us, knowing that we feel that way, yet we can get through it, it it's just kind of helpful when you when you take someone under the wing and say, "You can't do it," <laughs> kind of like the Water Boy, you know, Adam Sandler. Yeah,
0: that well, that idea of mentoring. To me, it's just doing it. It's it's leading by example. The Part of the reason I create every day is to be able to say that and to give somebody who's maybe making excuses about not creating, no excuse. <laughs> because if this guy with um, three toddlers in tow... You know, and a flurry of other activity can set apart time once a day to create at least one piece. Then there there isn't an excuse, and it yeah
1: right. And even um, even one of the things that I appreciate about you know when we were doing Central Arts of Hearst, especially with the kids, yeah. it's like even the materials are no. You've got all kinds of options with materials. So introducing them to, you know, as we talked about, you know, mixed media is kind of like taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And so just taking the, the little slick of dried acrylic paint and putting it into paintings and things like that, That's that that really helps when you're mentoring someone to, to let them know that they don't have to have all these expensive materials to be an artist.
0: I love hearing you talk about um, you like old things because I've I I first saw your work I connected to it immediately and I think that's a big part of it to me I always talk about my work is archaeology Uh and that's and that's what assemblage is but you can also feel that in just any of your pieces there are layers and textures that uh, I I really enjoy and
1: I'm I'm still working on that I mean I love you know like I've got I've got a hair dryer and a sander plugged into my (laughs) right next to each other because it's like am I going to dry this or am I going to sand the crap out of it you know and uh, actually sanding is kind of fun you know when you get all those layers on there even if it's kind of wet you get that gummy feel and then so, yes, I do enjoy working in layers. And I love to work with old papers. I don't know if you've ever seen all the old papers that I have, but just collecting old uh, old letters. And... The
0: I remember the Valentine, uh, the ones you made from old Valentines for the uh, Miss Lonely Hearts show, I think, that we did. Yes. Was, exactly. Yeah. Well, those I,
1: were I, really
0: I, fun. I love that. So what is... um. What has quarantine done to your creativity? Oh well, our, you... not our, this COVID world—not everybody's in quarantine, but we are sequestered to some degree, whether we like it or not.
1: <laughs> we are. We are. Uh, actually, for me, it has—I've um, been more active in my art, and more appreciative of the time that I I just felt like I've had more time you know being involved in city government and being involved in so many of the art things that were you know that we were we were working on before COVID and then all of a sudden everything just stops so I felt like I had to have some release you know, I mean, it's it's stressful when we think about all the things that are going on in our communities and how we're not even able to gather as a community. And when when you think about some of the artists and uh, especially if you're in the performing arts, I mean, you know, look where Central Arts of Hearst is. There's the Artisan Theater, performing art. I mean, it was immediately shut down. So I just looked for. I just looked for anything I could slap on a substrate. <laughs> I didn't even care what that substrate was. In fact, I started building my own stools. Wow. Oh, so, I don't know if you've seen those, but they're just these little sturdy little stools that have like three parts and I got my grandson to help me he does the sawing so that I have so that all the pieces, the legs are even and everything, but I just, and I started painting the flower pots, you know, just, uh, so I guess what it did to my art is it made me want to fill paint comforting things, you know, paint things I could garden with or paint things that I could like find useful. Because I think that that also is another thing that the pandemic has caused is us to look at our lives and think, what, what do I really need instead of what is it I want and what do I want to shop for? And, and I'm hoping actually the art world will, that this will end up being a kind of an opportunity for people to appreciate more, uh, just having, having just handcrafted things and things that, that have special meaning and maybe get away from all of that. Uh, you know, just buying a piece of art to fill a home. It's this this time you're buying something that that you can really fall in love with. And that's what artists do, right, Sergio? <laughs> we yeah. make things that people can fall in love with. We make things that, that connect with people.
0: Well, it's language. It is interaction. It's dialogue, as I see. I, I love what you're saying that you found comfort in making functional art then because uh it art um i've always said it it kind of becomes a luxury i can't um sell you this and it's like groceries (laughs) it's it is it is um sustenance but it's a different kind um well,
1: you know, one of the reasons when we did start to to get out a little bit, you know, one thing I did do was we have that outdoor market, so outdoor sales or outdoor markets are accessible now, whereas we can't do gallery shows and things like that as as often as we want to, if at so all. The, but I think that you know the other thing was I wanted to um, I wanted to make other people. Um, be able to feel like they could afford art. And so I thought if I put it on a flower pot, then not only do you have, and you know, as, as you know, I invited you to paint some, and I've invited some other local artists to just start painting pots so that it would be accessible um, to to the public, and that they would feel like that was that was something that they could do and make them happy as well. And I think it worked. And then there was a pot shortage <laughs> but we well, can but talk about that, that later.
0: <laughs> but then you you gravitate through new ideas because that was a discussion we had. You you were working on the uh, the project where you're painting pots, and then you can't get any pots. And we said, well, does it have to be pots? I mean, that's the beauty of art. It is. It doesn't. It does not have to be pots. It could be pans. <laughs> <It's me. laughs> or
1: stools.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it. Um, you know, we we make the rules and we change them constantly, and it's okay. So, <laughs> which is great. It works towards uh, the flakiness of an artist. So,
1: <laughs> it, it becomes does. a strength. <laughs> it does become a strength. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that you're very much like that, too. I mean, I'll walk into to where, you know, your space sometimes, and it's like you've taken something and just slapped some paint on it or, <laughs> uh, you know, just made it into some kind of mural. You know, you've done quite a few mur- murals and just taking a blank wall, and I think that's important, too.
0: But, to, to me, it never stopped being play. My... I have very early memories of paint, and I have very early memories of making things, and that was my happy zone, and so, and that's what I want it to be for everyone else. It makes me happy, so I want everybody else to be happy. Well, I
1: love your story of when you were a kid, and you got to take those inexpensive uh, art classes in your community and i think that's really that's really important that's what i meant earlier about you know really working to bring creativity to to your community so you should tell that story
0: yeah well it so so well i mean we'll go through a little history here because you know i told the story of how i first met you so exciting and then um really central arts Hearst our first location was in Bedford, we're at 501C, and then this next space was brainstorming with you in the city of Hearst, and so we're, it's 2,800 square feet, and I remember all we knew is that we had to make this work somehow. (laughs) That
1: that is all we knew.
0: (laughs) So, we we had a soft opening in April of uh, 2018? Yes. Yes. And then um, we're leading into summer, and we're going to have a a summer program. And so, discussions around central art or what to price it at. I was conscious of summer camps in the area, and... I believe, I don't know how for how long it was, but they were about $200. And I'm looking at the neighborhood we're in, um, which I fully committed to this space. I live down the street from it. I can see it from my house. <laughs> uh, so, So I know the neighborhood, and I know that this guy with four kids isn't going to send his kids to summer camp for art. If it's $200 a kid. Right. And I remembered growing up um, in North Houston. And there wasn't much for us to do in the summer. But my mom found at the local park that they were giving classes for $5. And so I got to go twice. First time there wasn't very many kids second time uh, there was less, it was me and a girl, and then the classes went away. And I'd forgotten about it until I'm in my late 20s and I'm at my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, and I see this little plastered thing that I had made in that class, and my mom's looking at me and just beaming, and I'm like, what? She's like, I remember when you made that. You just held it and you thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And suddenly I remembered that and I just had this glow. Because that, that was a special moment. And it was because somebody on that park board sat down at the table and said, we've got to do something for these kids. <laughs> and... Um, I wish I could find that person and thank them. So instead, what I did was I made classes that were $6 per kid.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think they call that paying it forward. So someone did something good for you, and you did something good as well.
0: Well, Yeah. And and the, uh, very successful.
1: And My gosh, the first week, didn't you have as many as, what was it, like we,
0: 20 we were, kids? We were continuously sold out for weeks. And, um, you know, it waned as the summer, got through. But even then, that carried on to after-school programming. Up until um, COVID hit us, we were still having $6 classes. Um, and we're still, well, yeah, we're so- finding ways to continue that. But, One thing but, yeah. else
1: I was so proud of is, is the special needs having yeah. special needs once a month I god I could- miss
0: all that yeah uh, so yeah sp- uh, all abilities night it's, all abilities. Yeah. it's for um, families of special needs individuals they can come and have a space to be creative the first night that we did it um, I always remember the, the one lady saying thank you for making something my son can come to and But that's what art is about to me. It's funny growing up with it, because as a... I don't know how it was for you, but just being a younger artist, it's just... I I wanted to compulsively do all these things, but I didn't necessarily know what that was about. I think fatherhood changed my point of view a lot. You know, I see... I'm able to, like, share this with my kids... And, and other people's kids and um, other individuals that just need it. And so I, I'm glad I was stubborn and persisted. So, but in turn, that leads me to question. So um, you joining city council and, and having that art presence, where was it similar journey for you or?
1: as far as, like, how I came to art or how I...
0: I guess your philosophies is what I'm curious about, like, um... Well, yeah,
1: how... no, I have 12 grandchildren,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so for one thing, uh, as you talked about with, with children and experiencing creativity, um, that was one of the things that as a grandmother we would spend a lot of time in the art studio, and the things you hear from the kids (laughs) when you were in an art studio for like hours and it was just you know i i was very close to the kids i think it just um you know and not all of them were really i don't know about all three of your children but not all of my grandkids were interested in art in the same way but that's where we would you know we would do things like we would get old cedar roots and just Paint them to look like monsters, and so you—you you really. Um, I just think that creativity can come in so many forms, and I think that when it comes to you know my my decision to go on the city council, it was a lot of it was about just expressing that, and it was really about getting more public public art out there, opportunities for public art introduction of local artists because I already knew so many being being an artist because you know I had gone to classes at Central Arts of Bedford years before I decided to run for a, an office and you guys were you were always accessible and you're always affordable and I think that that's one thing that communities need is uh, just a lot of that so that was really my, my whole goal behind going ahead and starting arts and I you know, i have been talking about it for years and we had that wonderful Bell Bel Air Center. So and I yeah. I think it's been I think it's been really successful, don't you?
0: No, and I, I'm glad it's interesting to hear because we met at that point but like I don't know how long before that we had been beating the pavement and whenever you're doing something like that trying to get the engine started i guess it feels so solitary but when we had that connection it meant so much to me and especially afterwards and the things we've done all together it's just it's beautiful and it really is sort yeah and, and even through this pandemic we're doing cool things you know the the Little Monster Project, um, which you've drawn monsters for. And what the Little Monster Project is, is um, it spawned from getting Amazon boxes, boxes during uh, when I started to get more things delivered to the house. Just looking at all these boxes and thinking, I really should do something more than put them in the green bin. So we, I cut them up and... With uh, my kids, we drew monsters on them, put some paint, and made little kits that we leave in front of Central Arts Hearst, and they're free to the public. That's still going on. And pretty soon, um, we just got a grant from Rotary to do the Little Monster Academy. So we'll have, uh, like, library-type kits so people can wood carve with their children parental supervision required but it just uh it keeps going no matter what that's the power of creativity i love the things you're doing
1: back in the day they would just call that whittling and yeah. all, all, all the little kids could sit out on the porch and whittle i mean that was another thing i did with my grandboys was uh because i remember my grand my grandpa or my uncle or you know they would sit out on the porch and just whittle just grab a stick and whittle and that's kind of um that's a very meditative thing i mean they would talk and whittle so there you go i'm plugging the wood class
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i i'm curious so you know i talked about first i guess landing here but you've been here a while yes the- yes,
1: I have. In fact, in Hearst, you know, when I was a kid, my mom worked for Bell Helicopter. Okay. So that, that's one reason Bel Air is really special to me, because that was that was the main center. That was kind of like the downtown. Uh, they had the movie theater, which is where Artisan is now. And uh, they had these little dress shops, and they had Watsons. And when you talk to people in the mid-cities, that, that is one of the areas that they remember. And it's kind of... Well, it's more like during the mid—it's kind of the mid-century modern feel, one of those strip strip mall things. But I think what I think what we're working on and what we're doing with it, because it, we're also looking at um, putting like little parklets in there and some things like that to to get more people just to to spend time there.
0: Because when, when I came here, it was like I said, I found a bunch of other artists, but. it's like things weren't doing and so I was like well let's do but what was it what was it like from from your point of view I guess you've you'd been here you're an artist like I guess well
1: okay I'll be honest (laughs) you heard me say earlier that um, it was not that even when I was doing art I felt like it was not the type of art other people were doing.
0: You know, that that I
1: felt like everything was still, you know, when I first started doing art, there was, you were a fine artist or not. And I never got that because I never considered what I did fine art. I just considered it creativity. I just considered it like finding old things and putting them together and, and loving the way that it made me feel. So, well, during this, this time I had been members, uh, a member of different art organizations, uh, but not, not for long and I would try different ones. So it, truthfully guys, or Sergio, it wasn't until, you know, I met you and, and Josh and Till and that I thought, okay, these are young, these are young artists that are more experimental they, are, they don't go into art and think, oh, this is my medium, which being the type of, actually the type of personality I am. <laughs> <because> <laughs> I've always been kind of considered like a jack of all trades and a master of none because I just like doing things and I'll have a passion for it for a while. And then it's like, okay, I've been there, I've done that. Now, what can I do? Uh, Whereas there's so many people that make, uh, and that's kind of the way art had always been presented, I think. It's like you learn to oil paint and you you do portraits of uh, an oil. And while I think that's wonderful, I think that the art world is opening up so much more. And people are just like, as I said earlier, to not even have the term mixed media artist until, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. That wasn't even a term so yes it had just been kind of con- con- confined to you know having a few shows uh hanging things in the library and then the art organizations that were here kind of sticking with the same medium. so i think it's really changed a lot in the last uh, i guess maybe 10 years now how long have you have you been here has it been about 10 years
0: no i um I moved to Fort Worth in 2016. Oh, wow. I was looking for a place or just places to exhibit. I uh, I knew one person kind of in Fort Worth. And so really literally I asked a bar that was by the museums in Fort Worth if I could set up a tent out there. I had my baby strapped to me. <laughs> and that's where I started to get alerted to uh, like festivals. Josh, um, who started Central Arts, found me in Arlington at their street festival,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, he mentioned Bedford. He didn't have a card. I didn't know. I didn't know where anything was. I didn't know what Bedford was. <laughs> I knew Fort Worth and Dallas and Arlington, but. um and then it wasn't until a year later that or months later I was at Arts Goggle my little girls were born on uh, actually uh, this date 2016 and I was at Arts Goggle and that's when I started to come to Bedford was that November and and I liked the space and I liked the idea that we could do some cool things in this area, you know. And there were a few artists that were here. I zeroed in on Juan Zamora right away. Uh, I liked I liked his work. He was he was nice, and that was kind of my first cohort. And then we started building from there, and just doing shows aggressively in the Bedford space. But no, I haven't been here very. Long, but when I got here, um, there's a the Trinity Artists Guild, which I love. I love those ladies. Um, and, but I I knew we were different. <laughs>
1: I think that you've been in the community just a few years, but you've already just I think I think changed the art scene. But now yeah. Fort Worth was a little more. When you asked me about this area, I was thinking of HEV because I did. I no, was, yeah.
0: And that's what I'm asking about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Fort Worth has its own groove. Right. Um, but what I like as a father of three, I, and I still, I love this area. I can raise my kids here, but I also want it to be when they grow up that they say with pride where they came from. And that, that's up to us. But I want to go back to what you were saying about, um, because it, it's a lot of the mission of central arts to kind of debunk that way of thinking. Art traditionally has been kind of boxed in and, you know, you are, you were either a fine artist or not. Exactly. And to me, that sucks the fun out of art. <laughs>
1: that is a good point. It does. Because that is, that's the fun.
0: I talk about I never lost that child. I don't think anyone should ever lose the child that starts to create something and just thinks it's the most beautiful thing in the world because it is. It's their little voice, and that little voice should carry with you all your life.
1: You know, right. I love that saying about life is just, you know, use the whole box of crayons.
0: Yeah, so, totally.
1: I think so.
0: <laughs> and then some, so.
1: Even if yeah. they're broken. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that, it, it. yeah, I haven't been here long, but I have a strong connection to the land, to the community. Um, it's, well,
1: I think H-E-B, and I preach this all the time. I mean, I'm in Hearst. But I think HEB is kind of, is a unique area because it is the Hurst, Julius Bedford area. And I, I think it's very important that the cities work together. And I think that not just, you know, you've got Central Arts in Bedford, you've got Central Arts in Hearst, and now you've got some other things that are, you know, like, like the market. You know, I'm also part of Arts DFW, which is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So so we're in your your little monster project, which is nonprofit. Central Arts is nonprofit. So I think that there's, uh, I think that alone just tells you that the arts are expanding because we're we're gaining more ways to to fund the arts. And I think that's very important.
0: Super important. And thank you for thinking that way because that, like I said, meeting you that day just Gave us fire whether you realize that or not
1: <laughs> no i didn't thank
0: you I, I remember telling teal because um, yeah you know we'd, we'd go and do these things and it's not glorious work to put up no, a tent no. No. but you do what you need to do and but you know um, what
1: you show you guys showed up all the time and i love the live painting See, I think that's another thing, that when you when you attend these things, that you're live painting and that draws an audience, it draws curiosity. And I, I think that's been very successful for you, have it, hasn't it?
0: Well, I always tell the guys we can sit there and um, stare at people as they awkwardly enter our tent, or we could use it as studio time and maybe they'll buy I something. <laughs> yeah.
1: really should do that more i am more the but you know me i bring all these different little things i also do a lot of art journaling Mm -hmm. you know one of the the things that i do is doing art journals and so i'm always bringing all these little things and i never bring an easel and just go out there and paint and i think i might be I, i think i envy the fact that you guys can do that with such confidence because I don't think I would have the confidence or the I don't think I could concentrate on my painting if I was doing it do you find that I guess you've done it so much it's easy for you but that's probably something I need to attempt to do Sergio but I think I think I do lack confidence in that
0: it's okay not to be focused on it there's no pressure it's just it's out there and you know, if it hits it, it does. If not, you're... I think that's just part of the discipline of actually doing things. And yeah, if you're feeling intimidated by it, don't. It's not... Um,
1: but don't you it's, think it's something I should get over?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, well, it's not... Um. I
1: force myself to do it?
0: Well, it's that whole idea. I guess my big artist demeanor is, um, who cares? <laughs> Who cares if somebody is watching or judging or if they don't like it or, um, you know, it's nice when they do like it, but I try not to listen to any of it because um, I'm, I'm making what makes me happy. And if I do that, it'll make somebody else happy. At least one person. If it's just one person. That's do worth you, do it. Do you to have a lot of
1: questions while you're. Do you, do you, I mean, I know people are standing there watching. Do they ask you a lot of questions?
0: Yeah, people will chat you up, but that's part of it. This is a social thing. You know, when we're in our studio, not so much, but I was never one that didn't like people around or doesn't like people around when I'm creating. I'm good with that. Now, our conversations might be very fragmented, but you know i like having people around it's and that's kind of like i said when you're painting live it's just studio time and if people want to chat by all means so it doesn't um
1: that would be interesting because i i don't like having people around so i just wonder if yeah, what's the ratio? How many artists like having people around? It just seems like I cannot concentrate as well. I, I, I used to worry. Around, I feel like I don't do my best work because I can't mm. think. I, I don't know.
0: Well, seeing that doesn't, like I said, there's no pressure to do your best work. Um, oh, but I may... put the
1: pressure on.
0: <laughs> you should stop that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want, uh, I had this wonderful uh, artist trip years ago. I went with the group to San, San Miguel Allende. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was I've quite always like wanted there. to go there. Oh my gosh, it's wonderful. But since it was an artist trip and I was with the group, we would, uh, you know, we went out to an old ghost town one time and then we went to the square and we would do, you know, we would draw the cathedral. And I remember that we were all sitting there drawing the cathedral and you know now that i think about it some people were just like drawing not paying attention but yet it was such a crowded area that people were walking up and looking and now that i think about it i remember thinking oh my god my not very good you know look at look at what suzanne is doing or look at this or look at that and so i'm just recognizing what a problem that is for me even though i enjoy going out and doing uh you know art and um know on site and trying to you know draw cathedrals or draw what I see in front of me I think that I think I might I'm gonna try doing that more and if somebody walks up to me then that's okay I'll just have a conversation I won't I won't like cover my paper
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, I'm thinking of the um the very first time I live painted a friend of mine um, Shelley Shanks it was an artist in Houston, had moved to Colorado. And so she had a night where it was like dinner, and she would... People would come up, have a request for like an animal, paint me an elephant. She'd do it live. And so she couldn't do the gig, so she gave it to me. And for weeks I just sat there and practiced painting fast, just thought of an animal would... Would do it and I was so um, that whole thing where you f- you start on a blank canvas and you feel like a failure I was very much feeling that but what I realized is uh, once I started going I felt good also people weren't really paying attention <laughs> you know and then it was fine because they're not they, they may come in and chat but they're not really...
1: They're not critiquing. If, they're interested yes. in what you're doing, but they don't critique.
0: If anything, they're highly interested in it. Huh. That the only thing that uh, kind of deterred me for a little bit was that I would hear, um, well, I didn't want to disturb you. And I felt like maybe that was costing me sales. But then I learned to not care about that. I mean, if it's okay. It's okay if I don't make the sale. <laughs> So how because quick
1: will be painting?
0: Like the
1: ten minutes or five minutes or
0: see, I was selling it sounds these,
1: like a good practice. I think I'll try an elephant in five minutes. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to do the math. Because yeah, that was the other thing. I came out of that dinner with like twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> wow. It was like a three hour dinner. I must have and, um, and the the paintings you'd sell for cheap, but I must have done like eighteen paintings. Yeah, you know,
1: that's a good because as we talked earlier, I think people it makes it accessible when you're selling and it, you know your art at a at a good price. People feel like they can they can own original art, and I think they really like that.
0: That was something. I,
1: they got to see you create it.
0: Yeah, that was something I was talking to my sister about the other day when, um, <laughs> it's funny, when I moved to North Texas. like I said, I I was just looking to show my art, but then I got a a little writing gig and uh, for a, an online magazine, and so I started to interview people on social media that I found interesting and wanted to learn from, so it was kind of education and I was getting paid for it. And the one guy, uh, he's on Instagram, NickPadilla13. His handle might have changed, but I would watch him post something, and it was gone in 30 seconds. And um, But they were all priced, like, between 25 and $50. And so I asked him about that, and they're, like, 8x10s. And he said, well, my work is... It's blue-collar pricing. He's like, I want everyone to be able to afford it. And um, I thought that was cool. And it made me rethink... Because when I was in Houston, my dollar value had... What you buy today from me used to cost you a pretty penny. (laughs) Um, But hearing him say that, hearing... Have concern for art collectors. Um, it influenced me, and that's the other part of it is that if you produce all the time, then you have a lot of inventory, and you're able to do that. Well, so. and
1: the thing is, because I I worry about this all the time, or I mean, we discuss this all the time. You're, in, you're right, your inventory builds up and you just got it there. And it's like, but I would love to share it with other people. And so, of course, artists always have a hard time pricing. And you hear all these different formulas, like, well, how many hours did it take you? You know, that's more in line with crafting. And there's just, I mean, it's priceless, right? <laughs> so it is how bad you want to you know to get your work out there and again the blue collar pricing i think is a really good idea because you're going to you know you're going to sell more
0: and people have different ideas on it and that's cool the the big eye opener for me was coming from a photography background i um man there was lith printing so this was special chemicals it would take forever for me to get the print just right and then digital comes along and yeah. this guy's talking to me about it and I'm realizing that all of that work I did um, yeah I have this piece priced at that but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much time I put into it but it also in general doesn't matter no one's I mean not to say no one but in general people aren't worried about how much time you put in it you know it's if they connect to it if they like it um,
1: what and, about the old photography is that the old you know the way you used, they used to do things is that still there, I mean,
0: there are certain some,
1: collectors market for, the, for that because it is it's kind of like the difference between an old album
0: and a CD, isn't it? Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, the photography is still collected to that degree. Um, I just lost interest, like um, because yeah, you know, I can do what I did in photography on my phone now. <laughs> what used to take me, what used to take me forever, what used to take me, you know. Five grand worth of equipment (laughs) i can now do on my phone and i do i take beautiful pictures but
1: uh... (laughs) you you know that's a good that's a good point because you know i I will take pictures and sometimes use those pictures as a reference for my art is is that something that you do a lot is use your own pictures for your art or is it does it mostly come out of your head because I mean, I remember how surprised I was. I took a, a class actually not too long ago, and everything was projected onto a canvas. I mean, I, I just always kind of thought people did this work, and it's like, I mean I, you, you know you see them doing all these little squares and they talk about you know the scale and all this, and then I realized that people are just taking images. And projecting them onto a canvas and tracing them and painting them. And I'm like, oh, well, well, hell, I can do
0: that. Well, I was shocked coming from photography. Um, I mean, I'd always drawn, I'd always done my side things, but photography was the main focus for a good run. And then um, I just, I, I don't want to work at a desk. And so I lean into painting and you know, initially it was all from my head but then I wanted to to learn some classical drawing and painting. Right, right. So, so I went and um, there's this teacher I liked and yeah, the first class she has me bring a photo reference, which of course I have tons and then I'm like, God, you're just ripping off photography. That's what <laughs> it's <laughs> I, I like you and I think most people probably have that idea but yeah most c- classical uh, people that are working in that style are working from photography and um, and I learned a lot from that teacher but then it's why I can do a lot of what I can do but there was a point where I'm like I'm just not interested in doing that I came from photography I can take a picture I don't want to draw it <laughs> so, well,
1: I agree. Yeah. That's why I like the term Expedia so much because you can just add any anything you want to, right. and you know use the materials in a different way. But yeah, the projector thing and thinking that there, I mean, it, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And I mean, you have to be a real artist, just especially if you're using, uh, you know, like maybe a, a picture of a person. And that's what, that's what I was trying to do because I'm not very good at people. But to yeah. get the shadows and things like that just right. But I really just was astounded when I realized that, you know, because I am the kind of person that I cannot make this side of a circle the same size as this side of a circle. And so just, just learning the different processes that you can apply to art it's yeah. always worth it to take some kind of a class or, you know, especially to get, just to work with other artists. You learn tricks and tricks of the trade, I
0: guess. Yeah, for sure. Tell, um, tell us where we can find your, your art endeavors.
1: Well, actually right now I, um, I do have my website, com and what uh, for a while i had it for my city council information but i have decided especially during uh covid and in order to help get the word out about local artists and local art and even local art opportunities and being part of the arts dfw nonprofit group to help help local arts um i decided to kind of almost do a Add a little bit of like what we're doing right now. I wanted to uh, interview uh, some people, but particularly as it applied to like nonprofits working with the arts, and um, you know, just different artists in the area and what they what they would consider doing for public art. You know, some of their ideas about public art and just using creativity out in the community. So I. I don't have a lot of my art up right now. Right now, I'm just kind of, I'm doing some outdoor shows. In fact, I'm doing one in Mansfield, um, October the 17th. You know, I've met another artist and she and I are, uh, I'm really, she's one of these people that she's been laid off. She hasn't been an artist for a long time. And when we met, she decided to get back into art. And so this is kind of helping her make some extra money right now because she's been laid off. So I'm I'm going to the Mid-Cities Community Market and a few outdoor shows. But that, otherwise you'll just find it in my studio. (laughs) Just (laughs) laying around, you know, like a little bit over here and a little bit over there. There
0: you go. Yeah, well, that's something you touched upon, like the artist economy right now. Um really interesting, we were t- talking about that with teal's sons um the first episode was um about how you know markets are still going on, but how hard they are to begin with, yes, and the importance of using what we can do virtually that's where this podcast started from was. I realize it's super important right now to connect, not just um, myself, but I like doing these interviews because it can broadcast what all of us are doing. And it's well, a discussion, but it's also a marketing piece for each artist that exactly. comes on here. So, See,
1: I think that, uh, I mean, I was reading an article the other day. Oh, I'm sorry. You kind of cut out. I think I talked over you.
0: No, you're okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh i was reading an article the other day because really this may be that artist gallery connection may be lost for a lot of galleries now because artists are finding ways to to connect online to connect with each other to uh you know another thing i i really like to do is instagram and I noticed that, in fact, that that artist you were talking about earlier, that he would post things and they would be gone immediately. There are some artists on Instagram that have set up a real following. And so that's kind of what I, I'm, I mean, I'm doing my own art, but I'm also kind of reaching out to, well, I'll tell you another thing I'm doing and, and you know about this is that um, we've got a nonprofit called Thrift for Good mm-hmm. and I'm, ask, you know, I have asked them to let some of us as local artists go in and use some of their castoffs and start making some of the the items that maybe they can't resell or, um, you know, they do some donation work as well, but to let us just go in and and take that and, and make it into art, whether it's useful or whether it's just funky it up a little bit and, sell it, uh, just show other people what you can do with creativity, so that's that's one of the other things that I've really been involved in, is trying to get that started. And in fact, I worked on a piece today. They gave me this funky little carved up wood thing that looked like it used to hold candles or something. I don't know. It's kind of gothic looking, so, and I'm going to put some gears on it, and I mean, I know steampunk is kind of going, you know, it hasn't been real popular, but I still like that kind of look, so. Yeah. Uh, So I'm kind of, I'm working on something like that right now.
0: So
1: eventually you can maybe see some, some of our work at Thrift for Good.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely check them out. Thriftforgood.com. And they are open now.
1: They opened this week.
0: Yeah. So, um, no, those guys were tremendous when the pandemic started. Uh, Taylor Watts reached out to me immediately, and asked us what we needed. Asked me who in the community needed something, uh, nonprofit wise, and all of the names I gave him came back and said, "Yeah, they're amazing." So and they truly are. We're blessed to have them. So
1: you know, it's a, it's a new concept, kind of, because they are being able to st- store things in their warehouse. They also have a shop, but then if you take things into them, you can name the nonprofit that you would like to get the portion of the funds that they they give. So,
0: so yeah, I guess we'll explain that a little more. So, it's a thrift store, and yeah, each uh, of the donations can, as you said, be dedicated to. It can go to six dones here in the community, or Mission Central, Central Arts, or arts dfw it's it's awesome yeah
1: so, so I'm, I'm wanting to work more with that in fact when you mentioned six stones uh you know i've been talking to them a little bit because one of the things uh to plug your um, there goes my pen again sorry <laughs> to plug your little monster project one of the things i get asked all the time is do i have do we have children's art classes uh, when I'm at, at the market every Saturday, I go to the community market here just to meet people and to you know sell my pots and things like that, um, connect with other artists. But when they know that it's a, an arts group and the Arts DFW nonprofit, they will ask if I know where there's kids classes, because especially now when a lot of kids are not going to school and, and they're at home, and I think you know, not only are the parents, like, needing some way to, to keep them busy, I think that there's um, I think that they also recognize how much they need that connection and that creative connection. And I feel like that's something that's really missing in a lot of communities. And I think that, you know, like, like you doing the Little Monster Project, and, and having online classes or having them where they can come and pick up and check out different things to use for art is a fabulous idea. So I'm, well, I'm anxious to see how that how that goes for you. And well, I'm a, anxious to help you promote it because it's very much needed in the community.
0: That's the beginning of it. We're, I'm about to put in the order for the materials. And in the next few weeks, hopefully, we'll see that start to... Come to fruition. All right. Um, well, your little
1: monster kids have been very successful. You know, a lot of because uh, we we put some of those together so that, or you did, so that we can you know raise some funding for little monsters and yeah. uh, and the kids just love them. Yeah. They'll they'll pick out two or three of them. So that's awesome. good job, Sergio.
0: It's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome that they're connecting that way. Because honestly, you had
1: a lot of, you know, not just myself, but you've had a lot of artists participate in Drawing the Monsters, so you, you've really got the community involved in that way, too.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what it's about. It is. But, um, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. Is there anything else you'd like to, to plug or talk about? But, uh, or? No, just, uh,
1: you know, I don't know how they... I would just like to hear from other people how they are working with artists in their community, and like maybe some ideas they have for public art or how to work with nonprofits. So, just to kind of get get the talk going and and continuing, so that we can just bring creativity to all over the world, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what, I'm I'm happy to hear you're you're doing your own podcast. Do you have a name for it yet?
1: Well, it's not a, really a podcast. I've got uh, I've got it on my website and it's just gonna be like right now I've only done a few short little talks with some people that are gonna be I'm gonna do a few online classes and okay. and also it'll be a platform for other artists to have online classes. And this is it's called Cindy's Art Cafe. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. So she asked me what the name of it was and it's all on my website, but, but it's kind of like a construction too, it's a work in progress
0: but check out CindyShepard.com uh, that's right alright, I am totally going to drag you back here, because I think we could talk for hours and hours, but we should probably break it up for the audience <laughs> but, thank you thank you for all I that you enjoy do your I
1: enjoyed talking to you thank you yeah.
0: Yeah, no thank you for um, as i said you were a ray of light in our yeah. uh, in our uh, search for the community that we've built so so uh, okay thank you <laughs> Ten steps deeper the tallest people. up the old tallest the